isn't it? Unusual experience this week. Uh, unusual for me. Um, I didn't know whether I wanted to say anything today. I didn't know if I wanted to teach today. I didn't... I normally have, uh, over the course of the years, I would normally have um, a number of things, and it's just that are waiting for me to, to bring. But I thought maybe somebody else should do it. May, I don't know what, what... And as you know, often uh, I get a song, an old song, I don't necessarily get the words or the tune because those things are kind of immaterial, really, to me. I just enjoy it. And this song came. Dawn thinks it was when we were praying on Tuesday. Hey, what a great time. What a serious time. What a significant time to have those real things that we're praying. Uh, and praying with a sense that we're bringing them to God for him to do something about and the presence of God and the rejoicing of the goodness of God. Don said it must have been when we were praying because I started writing things down. But this song, and it, it came to me, and I, I couldn't remember all the different words, so that didn't matter. And it was insistent. What, what, what is this? And it's leading me somewhere. Let me just... Um, let me just read you that story. I'm going to read it from the message. This is after the feeding of the 5,000. Um, so the crowd dispersed. Jesus climbed the mountain so he could be by himself and pray. <coughs> and he stayed there alone late into the night. Meanwhile, the boat was far out to sea. He'd sent the disciples in the boat to cross the lake. Far out to sea. When the wind came up against them and they were battered by the waves, about four o'clock in the morning... Jesus came toward them, walking on the water. They were scared out of their wits. A ghost, they said, crying out in terror. But Jesus was quick to comfort them. Courage, it's me. Don't be afraid. Peter, suddenly bold, said, Master, if it's really you, call me to come to you on the water. He said, come ahead. Jumping out the boat, Peter walked on the water to Jesus. But when he looked down at the waves churning beneath his feet, he lost his nerve and started to sink. He cried, Master, save me. Jesus didn't hesitate. He reached down and grabbed his hand. Then he said, Faint heart, what got into you? The two of them climbed into the boat and the wind died down. The disciples in the boat, having watched the whole thing, worshipped Jesus, saying... This is it. You are God's son for sure. What are the points that you would pick up from that story? Let's see if you could... I've got uh, five. So clearly the correct answer is the five that I've got. Okay? So what are the points? What sticks out? What are the features? Hillary? Courage, yeah. Yeah, eyes fixed on Jesus. Yeah, Jesus can see whatever mess you're in. 
Yeah, it's really getting close. Always there, yeah. Yeah. Shame about this side of the room. Yeah. Let me see. Uh, they're further to the west. They're further to the west, so they wake up a bit later. They, they'll come. I have great confidence. Look, I can see them now. Oh, look. Anyway, in the meantime, Anne. Trusted and obeyed. Judy? Jesus come, taking Peter, taking the initiative. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jesus is God's son. Yes, yes. Came to the realisation of that. Okay. Not bad. Not bad. Um, Picking up what you said, uh, they were, and what you didn't say, um, (laughs) they were in some trouble. Uh, They were uh, facing uh, this pretty violent storm. Uh, You could say a place of fear, a place of trouble, a place of difficulty. And as you already said, Jesus came to them. And he came to them walking on the water, which immediately demonstrates uh, the supernatural uh, power. Now, many years ago, uh, those of you who remember Alan Woodruff, uh, we were doing a a conference in the Caribbean, I think uh, probably St. Martin. And those of you that remember Alan will know the, this, about this kind of thing you got up to. And we decided, uh, remember in the Caribbean, the water, I think, is a higher salt content, has got greater buoyancy or something like that. And he came up with this idea that we ought to be able to walk on water, um, but we're not quite there yet, so... Let's have a test, and the one with the greatest anointing would be able to, would be able to stay without sinking for the longest. So we began to do this, and then found that he was by far the more buoyant one, and he was claiming to be the more anointed one, until we discovered that he'd found a rock. And he was standing on it. (laughs) But Jesus came, as he does, in a supernatural way. We're not just talking about somebody that uh, has a good set of beliefs or a good theory, but somebody who is absolutely life-changing. Comes to us. And then, of course, you see that he actually invites Peter. If he says, Peter, come, uh, when, when, when Jesus invites us and he says, come, it's not that we're ever going to sort of not make it. The very fact that he said, come, is a confirmation that we are going to go to where he said. If he says, uh, I'm taking you somewhere, or if he says, going somewhere, that's the, that's the end product. That's what's going to happen. That's the nature of his word to us. 
Peter experiences the supernatural. Well, yeah, but you know, yeah, who else? Anybody here ever walked on water? I mean, he may have had a little bit of a, a wobble and so on and so forth, but as far as I know, 2,000 odd years later, he's still the only person that we know walked on water. So, you know, we can look at it and say, yeah, but, but actually, uh, he experienced the supernatural power. Then, of course, he got to that point. And it's very interesting to see how strong Jesus was. He began to sink. You ever tried to pull anybody out of water? I mean, it's not an, not, not an easy thing. We find that there was sufficient strength there to help Peter at his moment of need. And it's never, ever changed. In fact, he underlines it by saying, my grace is sufficient for you. He underlines it by saying uh, that, that, that he gives us grace, which is called strength to help in time of need. His power has never ceased to be sufficient to meet whatever the situation may be. And then we see the storm was dealt with. Then we got to this point. The disciples saw him for who he was. Not a teacher, not the feeder of 5,000. That's what he'd just been involved in that miracle. So not a miracle worker, not a provider, not a teacher, but they saw him. In other words, they came into a revelation. They came into an understanding of just who he was. It was a life-changing experience, a life-changing understanding. Now, we're glad, certainly for, for, for the large proportion of us, we're glad that we have a, a measure of seeing who Jesus is. When he was crucified, uh, it says... People sort of sat there watching. It was like the spectacle of the day. Uh, they just watched him. It actually says Matthew 27, 36. And they saw him in all sorts of different ways. Some maybe saw him a good man, some a prophet. Others saw him as a crank or a loser or a troublemaker. But we've gone, in many cases, beyond that. We know there's something very, very significant, very real. We know that he is a sacrifice, the way to God. Lots of reasons, lots of excuses. Hebrews Chapter 2, verse 9. says something very important. Can you just play that for us now? Right. That was just a little run-through to get you ready. 
let's have a little bit of, are you okay? Yeah, let's have a little bit of audience participation, right? What we're gonna do this time, we're gonna run it through again, and if you see something that you kind of would agree with, would you kind of either clap or shout or say, yeah, or amen or hallelujah or whoopee? Yeah, is that okay? Yeah, it's all right, yeah, yeah. We're looking at him. He's the author and the finisher of our faith, right? That's quite good. Yeah. It's kind of better to join in, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, sit there and be quiet too long. Yeah. These are all true, and they're all right, and many of you would be able to describe how you can say that, the reason you would have to give reason for that. But I want us to uh, look at something which has, I don't know, kind of got me a bit excited. This is in 2 Corinthians. Chapter 3. Verse 16. But whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. The veil is taken away. I kind of, I mean, I've read this so many times, but this, when I saw that, remember I'd started off, here comes Jesus. See him walking on the water. And the disciples come into seeing him in a way which was not about the things that he did, but who he was. And this is what God has provided for us that somehow there was an obstruction to actually seeing him for who he is for knowing, for the transformation that comes when we know him. And whoever turns to him, that veil, that blockage, that obstruction, that thing that causes us to kind of, how can it be possible that somebody that was died, uh, somebody that was killed, uh, was raised from the dead and is alive today, those things which the logical, natural, rational mind cannot cope with, that veil is, is completely removed. And we come into an ability to see him in a way of knowing him. Bible talks about being made alive unto God. So, what I want us to understand, this supernatural event, this thing that God does takes us into a totally new realm. This is not about 
how hard we try. This is not about just the things that we can believe. This is about what God does. He takes the veil away. But, but whenever anyone turns to the Lord, that blockage, that veil is completely removed. We come in to that supernatural experience of actually seeing him and knowing him. And it goes on. Now the Lord is the Spirit. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory are being transformed into his likeness with the ever-increasing glory which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. What does that mean? It means that we are being transformed by what we see. We're being transformed by what we see. Now we know how that works in the natural. We know how whole nations can be affected. Politicians can be affected. We had a very glaring example of that tragic picture of that little child uh, washed up on the beach uh, and it affected uh, nations. That's in the natural. How much more in the supernatural? As we look, as we look not just about what he says or what he does, but as we see him, the Bible says we are being transformed. It's like, here, this is good news. This is not about what we do. This is about what happens when we actually see him and look at him. God is at work. Bible tells us that God is at work both creating the will and giving the ability to do what he wants. It's God at work in us. Hey, this is good news. Instead of saying you've got to try harder, you've got, I know there's means of grace we can be thankful and we can praise and all these things, they're all good. But there is a God who works in us. He puts the desire there. He's created that ability. There's liberty. And you know, it's interesting because it creates this desire and it says we go from ever-increasing glory, the Lord's glory which are being transformed into his likeness with ever-increasing glory. Hey, you're getting better. You're getting more like him. You're coming into an increasing measure of knowing him. The outcome of that, well, let's just look at uh, another scripture just in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Now, it's God who has made us for this very purpose and has given us the Spirit as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. See, we've had the deposit and we've got the guarantee. No wonder there is some desire placed by God in us to press on, to know more, to see him more. It's almost as though we can't help ourselves. God has created and started something in us. 
Verse 14. For Christ's love compels us. See, it's God working in us. Isn't that a good idea? You ain't got to drum it up. You're not got to try and kind of get psyched up into it that God has provided something <coughs> excuse me, for us. He's working in us and compels us further into his purpose. A number of years ago, I got to feel that somehow I'd, I'd drifted from God and I wanted that to change. In my mind, I'm thinking, my, this is going to be a long, hard haul to get back to that place where I was. I had the most amazing personal experience because when I turned and said, I want to be there, in a moment of time, instead of a long haul, I was right there because he'd never gone. He'd never moved any further away. He hadn't changed. The moment we see him brought into his into his presence, that veil is removed. It's not about a long haul to get back. It's not about a long kind of grind to get to a place. It's what he does, that whenever someone turns to the Lord, the veil, that blockage is completely removed and taken away. And he works with us. We look unto him, therefore, as the author and finisher, of our faith and we can turn because he provides that for us and we can talk to him and we can praise him and thank him but it's because of what he has already done and is doing we just turn and he's there there was another song now can you see how good and kind I am. I would have liked to sing these songs to you. But there are those who do not appreciate, have prevailed upon me. And so I might keep silent, I might not. Yeah. Just coming. She was out having a coffee, but she's come back. <laughs> Here's the point. Don't worry too much about the words. Think about what I'm saying and pick up those words, all right? Because look, listen, listen carefully. I'm a lot more interested than they are. I'm better looking. Listen. Whenever someone turns to him, the veil is taken away. You come from a natural position into a supernatural position. This is not about picking up a number of beliefs. This is not about the things that you might do. This is about what God does when we decide to turn to see him. Whenever anybody turns... The veil 
that blockage. And in these days, whether you've never ever yet turned, whether you now realize you need to turn, or whether you're walking in what God is saying at this time and saying, you know, I need to see him. I need, and I believe this is what God's got for us in this large place, an experience, a reality, something which has to be experienced because it can never be described. An experience of being able to turn from anything else and actually be able to see him for who he is and be drawn into that place of love, into that place of care, into that place of relationship, that place where everything gets changed because we see him. You know, it's a lot different, but it was very stark. There was this raging storm and all of a sudden the storm was gone. There was this ghost walking on the water, but in the end it wasn't. They saw him for who he was and everything gets transformed. God is calling us, whether we've been on the road for many, many years or whether we've never yet started, let's just take that. Let's just decide. We turn because we want to see him. We want to see him. It used to be another old song. I'm not going to sing it, don't worry. Oh, I want to see him and look upon his face. There's something having tasted of the presence of God, that there's a hunger and a yearning for more.
The title was <clears throat> it's, it's So Simple Yet So Wonderful. And that's what it is. It's so simple and yet so wonderful. Who'd like to come into that place of seeing him all over again? And the freshness of that. Maybe for the first time. Would you like that? See, we don't want to just talk about these things and not do them. We don't want God to put something in front of us and not allow us to enter into it because that's not in the very nature of God. Let's just take a moment. Lord, we just invite you now to confirm your word with signs following. And the sign that we ask for is, Lord, that you would just at this time move amongst us, cause us to see you. Lord, in so many places, in so many different ways. But right now, Lord, it's you that we want to see. We don't care what the avenue is, but what we do desire is, Lord, that we see you. <clears throat> 